Anne Voskamp has taught me this. If you, if you live for the applause of man, you'll get it here on earth. But how much better to wait to get to heaven and see our Savior's smile and his open arms as he says, well done, dear pastor's wife. You hung in there. You looked to me. You didn't let the world and Satan trip you up. You looked to me and you made it all the way. Welcome to the Crossway Podcast, a show where we sit down with authors each week for thoughtful interviews about the Bible, theology, church history, and the Christian life. I'm Matt Tully, and today I'm talking with Janie Ortland. Janie is a well-known writer, speaks at conferences around the U.S., and serves as Executive Vice President at Renewal Ministries. She's married to Ray Ortland Jr., who serves as a pastor at Emanuel Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and she's the author of Help, I'm Married to My Pastor, Encouragement for Ministry Wives and Those Who Love Them, from Crossway. Today, Janie and I discuss the joys and challenges of being a pastor's wife. She reflects on what it's been like to be married to a pastor and immersed in full-time ministry for nearly five decades, shares advice related to how a ministry wife should respond to criticism of her husband, and offers encouragement for the woman struggling with unrealistic expectations and a lack of close friendships within the church. Let's get started. Well, Janie, thank you so much for joining me today on the Crossway Podcast. Oh, Matt, thanks for the invitation. I'm thoroughly delighted to be with you. So you and your husband, Ray, have been married for how many years now? 49 years. We Mm. met 52 years ago, and we've been married for 49 years. Wow, wow. Uh, does that feel like a uh, an accomplishment? Do you, you kind of have a sense of this is a big a big milestone? Oh, it does. It also feels like a great answer to prayer, Matt. Oh, I'm just so grateful for the man God let me marry. Mm. As you think back on you know, that 49 years, um, how much of that time has your husband been in full time ministry? Almost all of it. He was in seminary our first four years of marriage, but he was a youth pastor during Mm. three of those years, so he was employed by a church and in ministry then. Um, Throughout all of our life together, he's been in ministry even when we moved overseas and he was working on his doctorate, he was helping at our, our church there in our little village. So that was that was always part of the package when you when you agreed to marry him, you knew that you were headed for a life of ministry as well. Yes, I did. That's unlike, I'm sure, some of your listeners who, as pastor wives, wonder, how did I ever get here? This isn't what I bargained for when I uh, married this man. Yeah, so then I wonder, even with that knowledge that you were marrying someone who felt a real calling to full-time ministry, what were your expectations uh, about what that married life would look like, what that ministry life together would be like? Well, when I met Ray, um, I knew he was very energetic and adventuresome, and I thought he would be more a youth pastor for most of his life. (laughs) But the Lord grabbed his brain and had him use that more, and he got two master's degrees and a doctorate. And so I was surprised throughout our marriage on how the Lord led him. He's been both a pastor and a professor. Um, I didn't have a lot of expectations. 
I was just kind of hoping that I could follow the Lord as closely as Ray did and support him and be a, a help to him in his ministry. And were your, was your dad a pastor, or did you have any close um, pastor, family, friends growing up? My dad was not a pastor. He, uh, it, it might help for you to know that my family was not a believing family when I was born. Um, but through the ministry of our local church, where our parents took us to Sunday school, we all became Christians, all wow. six of us, the four kids and my parents, with my father being the last one of all. So wow. I was a teenager before my, my dad became a Christian. But we loved our church, and we loved our pastor, and my parents always respected him and spoke very highly of him. So I grew up in a home where the pastoral role was deeply respected. Mm. And what was your relationship relationship like with your pastor's wife then growing up? Did you, did you did you have a, a kind of a friendship there at any point? I really didn't. No, I I knew her by name, and we had them into our home on occasion. But I didn't have much of a relationship with her. More with our youth pastor's wife who was closer to me in age, just maybe eight to 10 years older. My first relationship, close friendship with the pastor's wife came in our very first ministry after seminary. And uh, Ray was serving at a large church, and he was on a team with four other pastors. That team was being led uh, by a man by the name of David Roper. And his wife, Carolyn, has been a mentor to me uh, through the years. She still is. And also, Ray comes from a home where his dad was a pastor. His mom uh, was really a beautiful example to me of what a ministry wife can look like and how she can really help in that ministry. Mm. And so then I may, maybe just uh, taking a big step back and speaking to this broad topic of, of being a pastor's wife, what would you say is maybe one or two of the best things about being a pastor's wife? Hmm. You get to live with a man who is wholeheartedly wanting to serve the Lord, who has trained to serve him, prayed fervently about the call, that he has received and is anxious to lay it all on the line. I mean, that is such a gift. Uh, many wives I talk with uh, who are not in ministry struggle because their husbands, in a sense, aren't leading them. Ray and most pastors, Ray has led me personally, and many pastors lead their wives beautifully, spiritually. So that's one of the benefits. Mm. Another one of the benefits is you get to listen to your man. <laughs> you get to see him work all week and then listen to what God has given him. And you know him better than anyone else in that congregation. You get to see him live out what he's speaking. Hmm. That is such a privilege. Well, I know I've heard this from from pastors uh, that um, they can sometimes though feel a little bit of that intimidation and even I don't know mixed feelings when it comes to preaching in particular because um, 
you know, they work hard all week to prepare a sermon and, and to exhort the congregation to believe the truth of God's word and to act accordingly, maybe knowing the whole time that they themselves don't live up to that. And, and who knows that better than anyone, uh, better than uh, a pastor's spouse knows his own shortcomings and failings. And so, uh, has that ever been a, a dynamic that you've had to navigate uh, between the two of you that he's he's preaching this great <laughs> sermon, but you're kind of knowing, well, you know, you don't you don't quite live up to that yourself. Hmm. Throughout all of these years, I have lived with a man who's been one hundred and ten percent committed to the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that I haven't struggled with what I like to call the the fix him fever that we wives tend to get into. Um, do we have time for a little story yeah. when I was really, that fever was raging high. Ray was uh, pastoring at the time, and it was a, a very rigorous ministry. He'd preach twice in the morning, and then uh, we had a Sunday night service as well. He'd often preach a different sermon at night if he didn't have a guest preacher. And on Sunday nights, you know, we'd connect and go over how we thought it went. And, oh, I was just so good at telling him these little messages from people in the congregation and, um, you know, which side of his lapel he should wear his name tag on and just <laughs> si- the silliest little minutia. And uh, I remember one Sunday night in particular, I was going on in detail about three or four comments that people had made. And, you know, he was asking for feedback, but eventually... He took me in his arms and, and turned my face to him so that I looked into those big blue eyes and stopped talking. And he said, darling, I, I just want to tell you one thing about men. I, I said, oh, okay. He said, every man needs one person on the face of the earth who is not trying to fix them, who just thinks they're okay and is happy with that and is happy to let the Lord fix them. Would you be willing to be that person for me? (laughs) And I said, oh, boy, howdy. I don't want any other woman signing up for that job. Yes. (laughs) And, And it was very important for me, Matt, to let Ray be Ray and let the Holy Spirit fix him. That wasn't my job. The Bible never encourages wives to fix their husbands. It always encourages us to live with them in in a beautiful way, respecting them, honoring them, admiring them. That's how we free them. So, you know, I was in my late 40s when I learned that. I wish I had learned it earlier. Mm. But I think um, that although, yes, you do live up close with that man you hear preach Sunday, Sunday by Sunday, but I think it's a great privilege to see how well he lives out what he's preaching. Hmm. Was that a common dynamic through the years that that people in the congregation would approach you and kind of have advice for your husband or criticisms for your husband? Did that happen a lot? Absolutely. They it, it would always start with, "Oh, I know how busy Ray is. Would you mind asking him?" You know, I'm I'm just a little bit nervous about asking Ray this. What do you think? Or that person told me Ray mispronounced his name. And so I finally had to learn Matt. And again, this was later on in my ministry time with Ray. I wish I'd learned it as an earlier bride. I finally learned to say, oh, you know, 
I can see why that's a concern of yours. But Ray would hear it much better from your lips. So here is his assistant's phone number. Give her a call and set up an appointment with him. Mm. Usually, it didn't go to that point. They, they realized it wasn't something that they wanted to make an, an appointment over. But they felt they could use me to get a point made. Yeah, yeah. That's such a tricky thing. And I know another thing that I've often heard uh, discussed is that sometimes pastors' wives will also be on the receiving end of just straight-up criticism of their husbands. And I wonder, um, has that ever been a, a challenging thing, even just emotionally, to kind of navigate? And how have you how have you sought to kind of deal with that criticism that you've either heard directly or kind of heard through the grapevine from other people? Yeah, the tongue is so powerful, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. And uh, there's a lot of gossip that can go around, even in our Christian circles, I'm sad to say, and sometimes even slander. And most pastors, Matt, I think are, I don't know, looked at with relentless scrutiny. Mm. Um, And sometimes there really is unfair criticism. And when I hear that, there's a, a deep, oh, I don't know, resentment, anger. Something rises up in me to say, but no, you don't know him. You're, you're not being fair. Um, it, it's really hard for me. And the way I have had to deal, it, deal with it is to come back to whom we serve. I mean, I, I think of our Lord Jesus Christ when you think of the sacrifice he went to because of people's tongues, I mean, really, it was slander that sent him to the cross. Uh, and he never once defended himself. He, he absorbed what people said about him and lived so that what they said could not be proven against him. And so that's what I've tried to do is not rise up in defense and say, oh, that's not true, and you know, try to start an argument, but absorb as much as I can and be as Christ-like as I can in it, pray about it, and just say, Lord, I want to follow your pathway in this. You absorbed it all. You absorbed this sin of slander on the cross. Help me not to commit more sin by repeating it or bearing anger and not having a forgiving spirit. Mm. And you talked about just the scrutiny that your husband has been under, but has that also extended to you and to even to your kids? It's kind of, it seems like sometimes there's maybe unspoken expectations for a pastor and his family that can kind of uh, just color how people view you. Yes, I I think as a pastor's wife, this is true for a pastor too, but I found it more so as a, a pastor's wife, just personally speaking. There's always the comparison game uh, regarding the former pastor's wife, uh, especially if she was beloved. Um, maybe she was really good at teaching the Bible or really good at hospitality or really good in the children's ministry and their you, you know, sometimes comments will be made. Well, you know, Mrs. Mrs. Smith served in Sunday school. Would you be willing to? That kind <laughs> of thing. And um, fortunately, Ray has always freed me to be myself. 
He said, honey, you're, you're my wife, and I want you to be free to follow Christ's call on your life, not the previous pastor's wife's call, but you seek him and serve him in the good works that he ordained for you before you were even born. Mm. And then you'll be pleasing him. And we, that's who we want to serve. So there have been um, some times when I felt unfairly scrutinized, but, oh, you just love him to death, Matt. Just, mm. you know, open your arms and say, well, now that's very interesting. Can we get together and l- let's just talk about this and let me get to know you a little bit? Because there's something behind that, either a loneliness or a disappointment or something's going on with that criticism. Mm. Do you feel like you've had to develop some thick skin? Is that kind of part of the job description, uh, is just having some level of, of thick skin? Yes. Yes. I, I, I do need thick skin, but I never want it um, to build into making me thick-hearted. I always want to remain mm. thin-skinned in my heart so that any need, any... Um, heart cry can get through to my heart. I never want to think, uh-oh, here she comes again, more trouble. I want to think, how would Jesus look at her? How does he look at me? He keeps saying, come, come, come again. Oh, it's you again, Janny. Good. You're coming again with the same need? That's okay. And I want to imitate Christ in that as well. So I do have to develop thick skin, but I want to keep my heart very tender, full of compassion and kindness and, in a sense, meekness that I should treat other people the way Christ treats me. He absorbs a lot from me. Mm-hmm. So, so in light of that kind of unspoken or maybe sometimes spoken dynamic um, related to how people perceive a pastor and his family and, and you as, as his wife in particular— uh, has that ever made it challenging to develop relationships, close friendships with other, uh, maybe women in particular in the church? Because there's this, maybe there's this kind of sense that, well, you're the, they're the pastor's wife. And, and maybe people tend to kind of forget that you're, you're also just another human being uh, on a journey uh, called the Christian life, just like everyone else. Has that ever been a struggle for you? Yes, it has, because generally... A pastor comes into an already um, existing community. There are friendships there that are already built up. And so sometimes it is hard. But Ray and I have tried wherever we've gone um, to set an example of friendship, that we all need friends. We can't be on the same level with everybody in the church, but there are some. I mean, even Jesus had his inner circle of three, and then the 12, and then, you know, going out beyond that. So I've always tried, and I have had to initiate sometimes um, to build friendships. There have been other times where the Lord has, in a sense, raised up a friend for me. Uh, Frequently, it's been among the staff, or the leader wives, the leadership wives. And um, we still maintain close friendships with people from churches we've ministered to in the past. So I think a pastor's wife's role can be very lonely. And I encourage pastor's wives to build friendships, um, 
to be willing to give of themselves, to open their hearts, to be vulnerable, not about secrets in the church that she and her husband know of, not about relationships, anything like that, but about herself, her own heart. What are her needs? Walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7. Then you have fellowship when you walk in the light. So I, I really believe we, as pastor wives of all people, need to have friendships and not make it so exclusive that other people get jealous, other women get jealous, but set an example for how to build a friendship and then be open to expanding that to other women. Have you ever wrestled through how to, how to, how to do that, how to be honest and transparent? I think sometimes um, maybe there's this, again, a burden to, well, you're the pastor's wife and you're the pastor family, and so you kind of have to... Um, live up to a certain set of ideals, or you really can't be struggling with some of the things that the rest of us might be struggling with. How have you, how have you balanced the, the transparency with, uh, with friends with maybe a need to um, protect your husband or protect the, the, um, the ministry that you both have at a church? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good question, because I believe our two basic needs are intimacy and accountability. I mean, for me to walk from here to heaven, from today to heaven, I need people in my life with whom I can be intimate and with whom I can be accountable. And they'll hold me to goals I'm setting and prayer requests I've asked them to pray for. So to balance it, I I don't know if I do a very good job of that. I just want to set an example of openness and vulnerability and walking in the light together. I never want to share anything that Ray has said, honey, this is between you and me. I want to be very careful uh, to honor him in every conversation. But just last night, Matt, I was with a young pastor's wife. She's been married, let's see, four months. Um, When she fell in love with her husband, she didn't know he was going to be a pastor. And um, I asked her what I could pray for her about. And then she asked me what she could pray for me about. And without dishonoring Ray, I could share, well, I need you to pray that I'll be a better support of Ray because it's hunting season. And I'm a hunter's widow during hunting season. (laughs) And I'm lonely. And probably a lot of wives (laughs) nodding their heads right now. They know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I, you know, Ray knows that. And if I were to come home and say, Ray, I'm lonely for you, he'd say, oh, I won't hunt tomorrow. Let's go out for breakfast. Let, you know, if I told him that, but I want to free him to hunt. So I was able to share with this young pastor's wife and let her into my heart and see that, oh, yeah, their marriage isn't perfect. Janie's struggling with this, and she doesn't want to. She wants to free Ray, but somehow she's not able to right now. I think that's really important. Who doesn't struggle? And if we don't uh, open up in some sort of way, then we will be put on a pedestal. And when we inevitably fall, because we all do, the fall will be that much farther, that much harder to get up from. So I just say, here I am, friends. You know, I I want to strive to be at my very best, 
but I'm going to stumble. And I need you here when I do to remind me of where I'm headed and help me get up and get going again. What do you think's behind that? Why, why is it so common for us to kind of assume that pastors and, and their wives should, should have things all kind of figured out, that they're somehow on a higher plane and they don't struggle like, like everyone does? You know, what do you think is behind that? I think a couple things. One, a hope that someone can really live a righteous, godly, almost perfectly sinless, you know, as high an ideal as we can get, life. We all hope that that's possible. And therefore, we look for someone in whom it is possible. Plus, when we're listening to the very words of God being opened to us week by week, we want to be able to trust the speaker. So there's that as well. We feel, wait a minute, we, in a sense, we called you to do this. Uh, so you, you need to live in a life that says, follow me as I follow Christ. So there's both of those things. But Ray and I have tried, and my husband is really better at this than I am, to say, you know, I, I do have more training. I am older. I've done this more years than you, but I'm not there yet. I'm with you in my failings, in my sins. I, I need the grace of God as much as you do. Let's go there together. And then it's not so much look at me and find an example as let's all look at Christ and just encourage each other along the way. I, I really feel, Matt, that people hope that it's possible to attain some sort of near perfection, this side of heaven, and they hide their own faults because, because of that belief. Um, and so they look to their pastor, their spiritual leaders, to be perfect. And we do want our men of God, our leaders, we want them to strive to serve the Lord wholeheartedly with integrity and loyalty and faith and honesty and endurance and all of it, perseverance, all of those godly characters, characteristics. But we can't hold them to perfection. So, so then let's speak a little bit to specifically the, the issue of marriage. And that's one of those uh, topics that is obviously so important for a pastor and for his wife. So I, I wonder, speak to that a little bit. How have you and Ray, in particular, sought to cultivate uh, and guard your marriage through the ups and downs of ministry? Hmm, that's such a good question. I think uh, ministry marriage is very important to the whole ministry that that man leads. Um, and I Ray and I, Ray has been really good about making our marriage primary in our relationship. I know that he really cares about me and how I'm doing. He's shown me that in different ways. Um, one is he takes a day off, one day a week. You know, when you're in ministry, you usually work six days a week. If you include Sunday as a work day, it's probably one of your hardest days. But most ministers also spend time on Saturday preparing. They'll, they might go to the kids' soccer game in the morning or 
you know, watch some TV with the family at night or something. But generally, you know, Ray worked Tuesday through Tuesday morning through Sunday night, but Monday he was all mine, <laughs> and he that really helped our marriage. Mm. The other thing that helped our marriage was I had to learn uh, what a man needs as far as respect and admiration um, and loyalty. I, I told one of one story about that already. Um, that didn't come naturally to me. But I, I had to learn that. Some, I, I had to see that my marriage to Ray was God's gift to me. It wasn't a prison sentence. It wasn't, um, well, I get Ray, but he has to do this. We get to serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Oh, my goodness. The ruler of the universe who made everything <laughs> And all things were made for him and through him. I mean, we get to serve him together. So that helped me in our marriage learn how to respect him, um, how to honor the work that he was doing, how to empathize with the pressure that he was feeling day after day. Um, the evening meetings he would have to go to, and I'd be putting the kids to bed myself. Well, it wasn't as if he was just dying to be out till 10 o'clock at night solving the problems of the church or spending another evening visiting with a couple whose marriage was failing or in the hospital visits, whatever. We can't do that during COVID now, but for many years, there would be evenings when Ray was gone. I had to work that out with the Lord. My relationship with the Lord had to come first so that I serve the Lord Christ first of all. And by serving the Lord, I free Ray to minister as God has called him. And I respect Ray for ministering as God has called him. Hmm. You mentioned your kids and, and the impact of, um, of uh, poor communication can have on your kids. And that just makes me briefly I would love to talk a little bit about uh, kids in general, I think it's kind of a cliche at this point that, you know, pastors' kids, they, uh, uh, the kind of, the cliche is that they uh, maybe leave the faith or that they don't, it's a really hard life for them under the microscope all the time, uh, makes them maybe resentful of the ministry and of the, the local church even. How, how, did you ever see that dynamic at play or with other families? And, and how did you and Ray seek to uh, lead your own kids in the midst of uh, what can sometimes be a kind of an unusual uh, type of existence in the context of a church. Yes, they're, the, the pastor's kids are often put on display under a microscope, are expected to set the example for every other family. Again, because we all want to hope that someone can get it right, <laughs> but there are no guarantees, are there, really? I think Ray and I, with our kids, all that we wanted was that they would love the Lord Jesus with all their hearts. And we said that over and over again. We don't care what you do when you grow up, as long as you love the Lord Jesus with all your heart. And we tried to live that way before them as well. Um, Ray grew up in a, as a PK 
and his parents were really good about guarding him. We tried to guard our children from unrealistic expectations. Uh, we would tell them, we don't care what Mrs. Smith said. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, we know what you meant. We know what you were doing. Or if, you know, if they were running around uh, kicking all the chairs over in their Sunday school class and we needed to be called in to bring some order to the third grade classroom, I would go in and I would say, it. I would never say, look at your dad is the pastor here. You can't be doing this. Think what the people will say. Think what they'll think. No. Do you know what? We're Ortlands. We love the Lord Jesus. We don't behave this way. Mm. Um, so that it was never put on the church. It was put on the Lord. He calls us to a higher level of, of living. And we gladly go there. This is a privilege. This is a joy. Um, and we kept speaking words of encouragement over their future. You know, when, when they did blow it, we'd try to say, ah, oh, don't worry, Mom and Dad blow it too. Someday, someday, you won't be slugging your brother in the face. <laughs> someday, <laughs> you'll learn to control your hands. Uh, someday, you, you know, you won't be doing this. That's all right. We all do it as kids. Jesus forgives us. He forgave me as a kid. He'll forgive you. Let's keep going. Words of encouragement rather than shame, embarrassment, humiliation, and be careful because so-and-so is watching. It's no, be careful because we serve the most wonderful master in the world who's calling us to a beautiful way of life that is really worth it. Yeah, yeah. Well, speak to the pastor's wife listening right now who is concerned for her husband in some way. Maybe she's worried that he's on the verge of burnout. Uh, maybe she's wondering even if he's qualified for ministry for some reason. Uh, and he maybe just has not, doesn't seem to see it or doesn't seem to be very receptive to her uh, her uh, feedback on that stuff. What, what would you say that she should do? Wow. Well, that's a... A general question about a thousand specific cases. So I, w I want to be very careful, Matt, in what I say. And you feel free to redirect this or guide it if you think this is not helpful to your listeners. But um, one thing that I would suggest and that I have suggested uh, to younger pastor wives is to seek out a friend at, who is a pastor's wife in another church, if possible. If you're in a denomination, there usually is some sort of way that you can get to know another pastor's wife and find out, is this unusual? Um, the, if you can't do that, I would encourage you to find a godly Christian counselor and at least set up one time with him and say, I'm, I'm worried about my husband. This is what's going on. Now, for me, it depends on the severity of the difficulty. If your husband um, is in deep sin, um, maybe you discover uh, he has a porn addiction. Or maybe you see him misusing alcohol behind the scenes, something like that. That is more serious, and I think um, after talking to your husband about it, if it continues, 
I would give him a heads up and say, I, I think we need to talk to someone together about this. And if you're unwilling, I need to talk to someone alone about it. Try to bring your husband in so that he doesn't feel attacked and he doesn't feel um, totally shocked and surprised. Um, the other the, the th- other way that I, I would approach this, if it's not a terribly serious difficulty, as I've mentioned, is just through prayer. Rather than nag him, nag the Holy Spirit, <laughs> you know, <laughs> go to him. Oh, the Holy Spirit is such a better worker in my heart and in my husband's heart. I don't know how many times I've had to say, oh, Lord, I need more whatever, patience with Ray, love for Ray, better communication with Ray. Father, before I go talk to him, fix my heart, please. Never once has the Lord not answered that prayer. I cannot look back one time where the Lord has not helped me. So I would encourage that wife to go to the Holy Spirit and say, I need wisdom. I need guidance. You promised never to leave me. You promised to uphold me with your righteous right hand and support me. Now, God, I'm counting on you to fulfill that promise now. I need it today, this week, please. Um, And go to God first. My life verse, I hope this is okay to say on a crossway um, podcast, don't tell Dane, (laughs) is from the NIV, (laughs) not the ESV, because I learned it way back then, but it's from Psalm 62.1. My soul finds rest in God alone. In the ESV, it says my salvation comes from God alone, so it's very close. But a pastor's wife needs to learn that her Happiness cannot depend on her husband's success, on his godliness, on his wonderful children, on his latest book, uh, on, on whatever, on people's acclamation of him or support of him. Her soul rest must be found in Jesus Christ alone. Then she can enter into whatever circumstances are ahead of her, knowing, okay, God, you've got this. I'm with you. And if her husband is in a depression, Lord, show me. How do I help him? What resources should I look into? Should I go to another pastor's wife or a counselor? Should I just pray right now? Help me, Lord. Uh, When our, our souls find rest in God alone, we know all we need to do is take the next step with him, and he'll open the right door. So then maybe as a last question, Uh, What three pieces of practical advice, as practical as you can make it, would you offer to a brand new pastor's wife who's who's maybe excited, looks to the future, and and is optimistic and eager to see what God does and how he leads their family, but also maybe feels a little bit apprehensive about, man, what is his life going to be like, and am I cut out for it, am I going to have what it takes? What, What three pieces of advice would you offer her right now? Oh, That's a good question. My goodness, three pieces of advice. I would encourage her to find a promise from God that she can lean into. Maybe a a verse, a life verse, as the Lord gave me years ago when my soul was at such unrest and disquiet, and he gave me Psalm 62.1 as my life verse. Go to Scripture. Find a verse that you can camp on at least for this beginning. Maybe it'll change in a year or two. 
but meditate on it. Mutter it to yourself. If you can, who said this? I think it was Pastor Rick Warren. If if you can worry, you can meditate. <laughs> so why <Yeah>. not <laughs> meditate on Scripture? Find a verse oh, you can so go good. to. Um, I think another another piece of advice, and I've mentioned this, is don't feel it's your responsibility to fix your husband for him to succeed. Your husband will make mistakes. You will see those mistakes probably more clearly than anyone. And people will come to you with those mistakes. And you might even bear um, the, the brunt of those mistakes. Don't try to fix him. It's not your job. Don't take up a job. Don't engage yourself in work that the Holy Spirit has not called you to. Support him. Accept him. Respect him. Don't make it your job to fix him. Uh, live, live by your faith, not your feelings. Don't let the worry of, oh no, you know, what, what's going to happen if we get fired? Well, you won't be the first ones. It's all right. The Lord, the Lord will be in that even. It's okay. Uh, so don't try to fix him. Find a verse. Don't try to fix him. I think my, my third and, and final piece of advice would be this. Remember that God is no man's debtor. Hebrews, uh, what is it, 6, I think it's verse 10 that says we serve the God who remembers. Isn't that beautiful? He remembers. He will not forget what you have done. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, I think it is. Uh, We serve the God who remembers. So although people might not remember, they might not appreciate, they might not respect, God is up in heaven cheering you on. If you live, I think Ann Voskamp has taught me this, if you, if you live for the applause of man, you'll get it here on earth. But how much better to wait to get to heaven and see our Savior's smile and his open arms as he says, well done, dear pastor's wife. You hung in there. You looked to me. You didn't let the world and Satan trip you up. You looked to me, and you made it all the way. So look to the God who remembers, who will help you all the way and cheer you on and reward you. Mm. What a great word for, for pastors, wives, and for all of us uh, as we live our lives. Uh, Janie, thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with us and, and offer some encouragement and wisdom born out of uh, 49 years of marriage and ministry together with your husband. Oh, it's been my privilege, Matt. Thank you for this opportunity. God bless you and God bless our listeners. That was Janie Ortland on the unique joys and burdens of being a pastor's wife. For more, be sure to check out her book with Crossway, Help, I'm Married to My Pastor, Encouragement for Ministry Wives and Those Who Love Them, available online or at your local Christian bookstore. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, would you leave us a review? That helps us spread the word about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's Word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.